Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the ME7 podcast. Gillingham 3, Southampton 1 in the opening round of the Carabao Cup. Gillingham send Southampton back to the dockyards and packing out of the competition. A brace from Robin McKenzie. That's three goals in the first two games for Robbie and a solo strike from Ashley Nadison in the first half. Condemn the Saints to defeat and pick, and make Russell Martin think twice about his ticker-tacker style, which got him absolutely nowhere. A fantastic night under the lights. Jules thoroughly deserving of their place in round two of the Carabao Cup, and we're here to dissect everything that happened at Priestfield tonight. The debut of the LED lights, which, unlike Jules' performances, were on and off the whole night. A thoroughly convincing performance on the pitch. The LEDs perhaps still need a bit more work, but... Let's not take away from what was an outstanding performance against the Southampton side, full of stars, full of people where everyone will know from days in the Premier League, Shea Adams, Lianco, Stuart Armstrong, Gineppo, etc. But it didn't matter. Gillingham came out on top and thoroughly deservingly. So um, I'm not sure many people expected that sort of result today. We thought it might be a free hit. It was a free hit regardless, but we certainly took advantage. And in bowling terms, we hit a strike with a lesser team ourselves in some aspects, of course, with... The key players missing out. No Conor Marston once again. Sean Williams rested entirely from the squad. And still, of course, the injuries to Tim Dieng and Oliver Hawkins forcing them out of this game. But regardless of that, it was a thoroughly impressive judge performance and a deserved place in round two of the Carabao Cup. And on that note, I'm going to bring in Lewis Browning today as our speaker. Late on, thank you so much for everyone joining us today. There's a lot of people listening to this very much on the high of what we just witnessed, I'm sure, and we're going to deep dive into everything that happened at Priestfield tonight, as Jules, as I say, deserved the in to round two of the Carabao Cup. Uh, Lewis, we're quite good in this competition, aren't we? It's a bit of our um, bit of our party trick, it seems to be. Good evening, Owen. Good evening, everybody. Hopefully I can be heard okay. Yeah, quite, quite the evening at Priestfield, quite the result, quite the performance as well. It's definitely up there with... Uh, the performances I've seen from any, any Gillingham team at any point in my time supporting the club. Just got it right. I think I saw a tweet before the game saying that it'll be an interesting game because Southampton are so good in possession and Gillingham are so good out of possession. And We learned that last year against Brentford and Wolves, even when we didn't have the squad we've got now. You know, We went to Brentford and we beat them with you know, Mikel Mandra and Jordan Green, those sort of people. But we work so hard out of possession and we're just really well set up. I think we're a very good defensive unit. You know, if we can add goals like tonight to our game as well, we're going to be some force. But yeah, Russell Martin's an interesting one. He splits opinion a bit. Um, they didn't keep the ball as well as I thought they would. I think it still sometimes frustrates people. Tonight was probably one of those nights, but on us, you know, Neil Harris got it spot on. We're threatening every time we came forward and he was right as well after the game, after after full time he said it could have been more and it could have been we were by far and away the better team and you know it just adds on to the positivity from the weekend and I think everyone now is looking forward to the next round and looking forward to Saturday as well Yeah absolutely so let's get straight into it with uh, the lineups for today's game there were a few changes as I mentioned uh, for Jules from the team that uh, won away at Edgeley Park on the open day of the season at Stockport there was changing guard Glenn Morris coming in for Jake Turner the back four one change in that back four, that was Max Clark coming in for Scott Malone. Other than that, Shadrach Ogie, Max Aimer and Charlie Alexander all kept their places. Ethan Coleman was joined in midfield for Rob McKenzie, who took the place of Sean Williams. And a front three of Jaden Clark, George Lapsley 
and Dom Jeffries. Jaden coming in for Johnny Williams and up top on his own. Ashley Nadison, who came in for Tom Nichols, who was on the bench. In terms of Southampton, as I was saying, a lot of uh, a lot of names you would recognise: Alex McCarthy in goal, James Bree at right back, Lianco and Perot, two players who were consistent in their Premier League demise of last season with Jaden McGomber at left back. A few more names you would recognise: Musa Gineppo and Scott um, uh, Stuart Armstrong, I should say. In the midfield four, along with Shay Charles and Samuel Amo Amaye, I think. And then up front, Sakoa Mara partnered with the veteran uh, of the Scottish team, as well as the Premier League, and Shay Adams, Stuart Armstrong, of course, another Scottish international within the Southampton side. So it was no, by no means a, a weakened Southampton team, if you like. There were players who obviously missed out, the likes of Adam Armstrong, uh, Nathan Teller, and uh, James Will Prowse, who would, you would imagine would always be in their best starting 11. But regardless of that, it was. A team that they look at on paper and think would be more than enough to beat a League Two side. There was a tweet going around earlier that their team's worth nearly um, 90 million or so regarding regarding their team as opposed to the 500k or so that our team's currently worth. And Lewis, obviously, um, Neil Harris mentioned after the Stockport game that he'd make as many changes as he possibly could for this game. He uh, did make a few of them, but as we've always been saying since the season started, it's the massive positive that we have now that if someone goes out of the team, we've got someone who's more than reliable to come in to take the place. And I think a lot of players who came in today, we're going to go on to some of the specifics in just a little while, but it, it goes back to, doesn't it, that we've got seemingly two good players in every position now that even what people would consider a weakened team by leaving some people out is still very, very strong for us. Yeah, exactly that. You know, Southampton made changes, but we made changes as well. You think the three players we brought on, um, Tom Nichols, Scott Malone and... Uh, the last one is uh, escaping me, but the three we bought, Johnny Williams, um, you know, they're probably in our best team. Uh, so we made changes as well. And yeah, I think you're, you're spot on, Owen, when you say that we've got two players for every position. You know, Max Clark coming in at left back, two fantastic left backs for this level we've got. Um, really good to see Robbie McKenzie playing in midfield. I've said a few times on the show, I think midfield is best position. When Ethan Coleman went down, I was a little bit worried because, you know, with Dieng out and Coleman had a hit as well. Sean Williams not playing every week. Um, maybe we were a bit light, but McKenzie, fantastic in that position. Really good utility player. And we've got so many options. I thought Madison again at the weekend, you know, same system to start with, but the players that came in just, just performed so well. And I think Harris said after the game in the graphic that the, the official club account have shared, um, the team you picked at the weekend did fantastic. The team you picked tonight did fantastic. I think players are starting to step up more now as well. You know, Jaden Clark, that's the best I've seen him play for Gillingham by far. We spoke about the lack of options in the wide positions, really. I think Clark's been fantastic out there all summer, really. And Dom Jeffries as well is almost starting to make that his position really out wide. You know, fantastic um, run and assist for Ashley Madison's goal, the first Gillingham goal tonight. I think he's got so much energy. He's a fantastic asset at the club. And like you say, we've, we've not got Ollie Hawkins, we've not got Tim Dien, we've not got Conor Masterson. Sean Williams didn't play tonight. We've got Macaulay Bond potentially coming in, who wasn't involved tonight, obviously, not signed yet officially. You know, we had Nichols on the bench, Malone on the bench, Johnny Williams on the bench, a few youngsters, we've got two number ones in goal. You know, this squad is literally one or two signings away from being absolutely perfect. And there's not a massive drop-off. You know, Coleman can come in for Dieng at the weekend and put in a performance where he just looks so at home. You know, when they came in last last year in January, um, Ethan Coleman and Jaden Clark weren't making a squad. They were like, you know, signs for the future, et cetera, et cetera. 
now they're starting against what is a squad that has so much Premier League experience and just shining. So players that can come in, come out. Max Clark again. I've already mentioned him. Glenn Morris. We've got a really, really good squad here, and it's absolutely you know a delight to see. There's no big drop off, and I think everyone's just on a high really, aren't they, after the performance? And you know, Harris has got so many options, and he can set up specifically to how he wants to face each team. You know, we've had two great teams. He's gone with the midfield five. I think he'll probably go two up front at the weekend against Accrington, and he can change it up now with options. And you know, that's that's all he wants, and he's he's showing that he can. You can get a lot out of this team now where we've got options in, in every position. Yeah, Lewis, I suppose before we before we get into the game itself, you, you mentioned the name. I think we, we may as well address the, the elephant in the room very quickly now before we uh, get onto the game as a whole. Um, anyone who, who didn't see or didn't notice, um, there was a visitor, if you like, behind the dugout today watching the whole game, and that was indeed Macaulay Bond. He was spotted before the game, uh, parking his car before going into the stadium, and he was you know, it wasn't one of those where it was trying to be hidden and trying to be, you know, hidden away, if you like, where obviously when we played, I think it was Charlton and Shadrach Ogie signed that night, he was sort of hidden in the stands and people just spotted him through the boxes. He wasn't really in the overall view of everyone, but McCauley, he walked out um, when the players did by the side, he sat right behind the dugout, he was very easy to spot because of his bleach blonde hair. And to me, there is, I think, with all the rumours that's gone round about Alfie May and this, that and the other and need for a 20-goal striker and whatever else. I think when you see someone like him being linked to the club, I think it's a positive sign. I think he will score goals at 7. I also think that when you see him walk in, you know, clear vision of everyone, not exactly hidden away, I think that basically, touching wood, of course, seems to suggest that it is basically done now, doesn't it? Yeah, that seems to be the word going around tonight, that he's going to be an addition to the squad. You know, he wasn't in the stands. He was literally sitting with the players behind the dugout. As you say, he came in from his car, strolled into the stadium. We know that he's been training with us. There was potentially a deal to be done. Reports were that there was a bit of a separation in terms of personal terms being agreed, but it looks as if that's almost done now. And when Harris alluded to hopefully one by Tuesday at the weekend, I think we could assume that was probably Bon and the, the deal was moving positively. So... I probably would expect that to be done tomorrow. Obviously, we don't know for sure. Things can happen. Johnny Williams is a case study of that. But I imagine that's going to be done. I think it's a really good sign-in. It will complete our attack. Um, I think it'll score goals. You know, whether it's going to be the 20-goal season striker remains to be seen. I don't think that's, that's essential. Obviously, it's great to have that. But I think we'll have four very good strikers. Sorry, five I'm in for you. Lewis Walker exists. But I think Tom Nichols, Ollie Hawkins, Ashley and Addison and Macaulay Bond Great options for this level, all bring different traits. I think it'll really be a really good signing, and then maybe one more wide player, and we're, we're good to go. You know, we've already spoke about the squad depth, but I think Bond's, Bond's going to be a really good addition if it happens. So everyone will be glued to their screens tomorrow to see if it comes through. And uh, yeah, a welcome addition by a lot of people at the club, I think. And before we uh, carry on, can uh, people just comment uh, down below to? just say if the audio is good or not, because we've had one comment come in so far saying that it's just to sort the audio out. Um, it's only the one comment so far, so maybe it's just an isolated incident for that person, whatever they're listening on or whatever else. But if people can just confirm that the audio is coming through uh, nice and clean, then you can hear both me and Lewis properly, then please do say so. Um, I'm talking at full volume, the mics are uh, on properly, so just if people can confirm, okay, my end can hear fine, the audio's fine, okay. 
must just be an isolated incident with with that one person. So hopefully they're there to sort that out. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the the game then. Uh, there is um, Southampton, as you'd expect, having a vast majority of possession early doors. We managed to force a couple of corners. It was very um, not cagey, but a very a possession based approach from Russell Martin and his side. He has always been the type of manager who plays a very interesting game plan, if you like. They don't, they don't like to clear the ball very often. They like to play their way out of danger and this, that and the other. But with that comes, you know, when you're trying to proceed into the attacking third by making as many passes as you possibly can, it just becomes a bit of an error where you always leave yourself open to giving the ball away. And that's what happened around 12 minutes in. Don Jeffries uh, collecting the ball on the left-hand side and he had all the freedom of Priestfield by the looks of it. He kept going, kept going, kept going. And it was great predatory instincts from uh, Naderson. He pulled away from his centre-half, made himself available into space. It was a great ball across the six-yard box by Dom and a simple tap-in by, uh, by Ashley, his first goal for the club since uh, arriving from Crawley. And it was really great to see, firstly, the atmosphere when the ball went in. The place was absolutely rocking. We were well on top in terms of you know, the noise-making. It gave us extra boost as well. But also the, how quick we turned having a strong defensive unit into a fast-paced, attacking, fluid footballing team at the same time because, like I said, Dom had so much space on that left-hand side to run through, get his pass off, and it's an easy finish for Ashley, but it'll do his confidence a lot of good to get off the mark very early on. And, yeah, it was a really great team goal, wasn't it? It was very patient, having to wait for, you know, Southampton to either give the ball away themselves or make a mistake, and we were quick to pounce on it. I'm sure that would have been talked about by Neil because... Obviously, he would have known that Southampton are going to have the vast majority of possession. And when that happens, it's about you know keeping your shape and just waiting and praying on any mistake they possibly make. And that's what happened. And you know we got in and, and we took the chance, Lewis. Yeah, I remember um, Russell Martin coming to preschool with his MK Don's teams, and it was in the COVID season. And I remember being at the game because I was working in the media, and we sat off them under Steve Evans and. They scored a goal, and I think he said after the game he made a change just to press them, and we absolutely battered them. And I think it happened another time when Russell Martin brought his MK Don's team to Priestfield. And I think there's a lot of frustration around the way he likes to play sometimes in terms of keeping the ball and not necessarily doing too much with it. And you're going to make mistakes when your players aren't world class. Southampton are far from world class, and you know I'm sure he'll get them playing decent football, but. Tonight, it didn't really happen. And we stayed strong, we stayed patient. We knew when to press and when not to press. And I thought it was a really good first goal. I mentioned earlier on in the show how um, Dom Jeffrey is sort of making a wide position, his new position, really. I think he was really, really good on the left last year um, when, he got, when he got the chances out there. I thought he was fantastic in pre-season out wide. And I think he had a really good game tonight as well. And as you say, he seemed to have the freedom and pre-skill to break forward and, and pick out his pass. And Ashley Nelson to get off the mark early on in his Jules career, really good. I think he changed the game on Saturday. I think it's fantastic when he came on. He's really quick. He wants to run in behind, um, decent in the air as well. And yeah, to get off the mark early is good. At the weekend, I expect Neil to play him and Tom Nichol together, to be honest. But I suppose suppose we'll see. You know, we've had success with with one up front the last couple of last couple of games, so we'll see. But I really like them as a partnership. Really happy with Nelson so far. And yeah, good for him to get off the mark early. Yeah, absolutely, it was. And you know, Southampton at that point after the first goal winning were very much rattled. The same person who gave ball to Jeffries nearly did the exact same thing again. It was a wide play. I think he was seventeen to be fair to him, so you can let him off. But 
He played a back pass that was a bit overhit, and the Yanko just about through the skin of his teeth managed to recover it before Nadison nipped in to, to get in again. Um, after that, in the first half, Jules had to not camp in much, but it was a case of Southampton were having much more of the ball when they were having a lot in the first place, but a lot more, and they were creating more in wide areas, certainly down uh, the left-hand side. That 17-year-old, I forget his name, but he was electric with the ball, very quick, very direct, had a lot of skill and a lot of fancy moves in him. He got past Clark quite a few times, but the final ball was lacking quite a lot. There was a, an opportunity where I think Perot left back, made a really poor decision when the ball was getting played around our box. He had a pass on to the left, uh, to his left-hand side for the ball to be played back across the goal when he decided to take a shot on for absolutely no reason, put it wide, uh, much to the disgust of everyone uh, wearing the, uh, the Black Southampton kit tonight. And it was just one of those where we did well to soak up the pressure, but as far as I'm concerned, Lewis in that first half, I can't really remember. There were a few shots here and there. Some took deflections, which fell straight into Morris's hands. Fortray Adams was pretty quiet. His link-up play was okay, but in terms of chances for himself, there wasn't really anything. I had one shot that was deflected onto the bar, but again, it, it was the top of the bar. It wasn't like it was any immediate danger. And I can't really, thinking back now, think of a, char- a time or a chance where we looked... You know, severely under pressure. We weren't really getting peppered. They were having a lot of possession within our half, but much like Stockport, really, in the second half of that game at Edgley Park, there a lot of the ball, a lot of possession in our half and in our final third, but they didn't really create anything clear cut for me. No, I agree. And, you know, they're going to have chances. They're a top end championship team. Um, you know, like you said, they hit the bar. Morris caught a couple, but I think, again, you know, this is an attack on Russell Martin, but I think a lot of the time his teams do do that, keep the ball and not really create too much. And as I said earlier, I think we're really good at a possession. Um, we work really hard. Our defensive structure is fantastic. Really impressive. Aimer and OG again tonight. Uh, Glenn in goal, comfortable as always. And yeah, I think you're right. There wasn't too much on offer, really. I think we were always threatening. Um, you know, going forward, you know, I wouldn't say feeding off scraps, but we were playing on the counter quite a lot and we threatened a lot. And when we could get up the pitch, um, we, had, we had joy as well. Like I say, Jaden Clark got mad of the match in, in the stadium. I thought it was fantastic. Dom Jeffries as well. And it was just a really good performance, a really good tactical showing from Neil Harris, I think. Uh, you know, we were never troubled defensively. It was a shame we conceded at the end, but it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And solid defences. I think, you know, Reese said, Reece said to us on Saturday, solid defence is how you win things at this level. We showed that in, in 2013. And, you know, having a really good defence this year, which I think we have, and that, that'll prove the show. Um, you know, that, that'll bode well for us going forward. Yeah, most certainly. Well, there is one aspect of the way um, Russell Martin likes to play that I'll come into um, when we get into the second half a bit more. But, um yeah, and it was certainly part of the game plan that they had that would make me have a panic attack most weeks, but that's their problem, not ours. But just before the half-time whistle blew, uh, four minutes of injury time in that first half, it looked as though from where we were that we'd gone 2 up and Rob McKenzie, who we'll get on to, he certainly made up for that goal being disallowed. But a caller came in and Robbie seemed to be, from the replays I've seen, he seems completely unmarked. He heads the ball into the back of the net. Whether there's something from someone else, maybe another Jules player is putting on a shirt or something like that, but I must admit I couldn't see anything on towards. The ref was very quick to blow the whistle and give it the other way, but it seemed to me there was right on the stroke of half time that we should have been tuning up with that Rob McKenzie header, which was disallowed for, well, exactly that. I, don't, I still don't really know what it was disallowed for. It hasn't mattered in the uh, 
in the grand scheme of things. But yet again, another questionable decision by an EFL official. Yeah, I don't think there's too much more we can say about EFL officials. I thought tonight was probably one of the better ones, to be fair. hundred times better than Saturday. Saturday was... I mean, I'm not angry about it because the wins are the main thing, but Saturday was an absolute joke of a performance from from the, the two officials, really. Um, but yeah, I think... It, I haven't seen it back, to be fair, and obviously it's up the other end to, to where we are. But I have a couple of friends who were watching uh, Soccer Special on Sky and they were showing the goals back and Apparently, you know, both of them, neither of them that were messaging me about it had an idea of why it was disallowed. Um, Paul Merson, I think, was doing the game. He seemed a bit clueless. I think Madison was arguing with the referee on the way out about why it didn't stand. And I couldn't see anything wrong. Um, you say you've watched it back and it's really unclear. You know, going into half-time 2-0 up would have been absolutely fantastic. I suppose it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We went 3-0 up. We won 3-1. A lot of things, obviously, you know, it's all ifs and buts. Maybe if that went in, maybe we wouldn't have scored a third, you know. But the weekend, everyone's frustrated with the keeper putting the ball behind and the referee gives a goal kick. Maybe if we had that corner, we wouldn't have won. So it's frustrating and you've got to pick out these decisions because it's not good enough. Um, you know, it's costing teams going 2-0 up and then if we did, if we could have gone 2-0 up and then, you know, if we didn't and we lost 2-1 or something like that, it's costing teams. So... It's a shame, but I think there's no quick fix. Um, but yeah, the main thing is we went on and won. Robbie McKenzie was absolutely fantastic again. I really like him in, in midfield. Um, obviously, he's Mr. Utility Man. I think, I think he deserved a start on Saturday. Where? I don't know. But yeah, he's going for the golden boot for the league. I think he's, he's been really impressive. And um, yeah, I suppose he could have had a hat-trick. Yeah, he certainly could have done. But that leads us nicely on to the, uh, the second half where that really did become fireworks for the Jills. Um, a couple of half-time substitutions for Southampton. They brought on yet another star name, if you like, in um, Joe Rebo, formerly of Charlton, and uh, Rangers joined in the January of uh, last year, I believe, and obviously played Premier League minutes. Along with him came on Kamari Doyle for Sikara Mara uh, to start the second half. But this half, Lewis, I think it's probably... Bar, obviously... Well, I say Bar, the goal Southampton scored. Obviously, it didn't matter in the, in the end, but... I think we absolutely peppered them for a good half an hour of that second half, I think. After we got the third, we slowed it down a little bit, even though we still had chances. But I think we were probably put in the most dominant Gillingham performance I've seen in, in a long, long time. And this is against a team that a foot of international has just come down from the Premier League. And I think we caused them absolute nightmares in that second half. I think they couldn't get out. This, this will lead me on to the start of play. I'm going to talk about Russell Martin in just a second, but we'll get to the first goal first. Um, yeah, we've got an obvious an obvious uh, target for free kicks now. It worked as an absolute treat. Chad Alexander with the ball in from the right-hand side, headed across goal by Shadok OG, the absolute beast and unit that he is. It's an obvious go-to technique now because I don't think anyone, you know, won 10 out of 10 of aerial drills on Saturday. I'm sure he won very similar, if not, let's say, uh, if not maybe just a bit less today. But when you have someone like him in your team, it's an obvious target to go for. He's going to win every header every time against anyone, I'm sure. Hits it across. I think Aimer gets the first touch on it, but not very clean one. And then Robbie's there, on more or less on the goal line to part, poke it past Alex McCarthy. And that's just six minutes after the interval. And we had that two-goal lead that we probably should have had it in the first half with this live goal. And that was when I started to think, you know, we looked really comfortable. And I thought that we deserved the two-goal lead in Southampton. You start to think at that point, from their point of view, when they've got bigger fish to fry, how much are they going to be 
that interested about getting back into this game. I know there's no extra time, but regardless, for bigger picture for them, how much did they really want to stay in the game? But, you know, we took that chance. We went 2-0 up and deservedly so. And like I say, Lewis, you've got a, an instant free-kick routine there with someone like Shad, who is nine times out of ten going to win the header in that position every time. And then it's just being jolly on the spot to finish it off. And obviously, we were on that occasion with Robbie's finish. Yeah, Southampton made a couple of changes at the break, as you say, and I think whoever was running their Twitter put, um, let's put this right, and I sort of thought, okay, yeah, we've had a good half, you know, it doesn't matter if we lose, we weren't expected to win, um, and Russell Martin's probably got into them, but we came absolutely flying out of the blocks, as you say, we dominated the opening proceedings in the second half, there's something special about shooting at the ring and um yeah, I think as well, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry, but so have we. As we mentioned earlier on, we made changes. Our priorities in the Carabao Cup run, our priorities getting promotion out of League Two. So <clears throat> each their own. I think Southampton are still in a still a team in transition. Um we obviously went deep with quite a lot of our set pieces early on to to OG. Fantastic in the air. I really like his um his confidence and composure on the ball as well. He loves that diagonal pass. I'm just a really big fan of him as well. I know he's, he's left-footed too. He, he compliments the team really well. Going to be really interesting to see what happens when, when Conor Masterson's back. But, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, another sloppy goal. Didn't think McKenzie uh, could get much sloppier than his goal of the weekend, but we take them all. doesn't matter. Um, and, yeah, it was great. You know, it's always great to see uh, a goal at the right end with, with a better team. And I think I think Russell Martin really... You know, he just got he just got outdone by Neil Harris. I think that's just what happened, really. Um, you know, we may be a League Two team, but Neil Harris has had success at Championship level as a manager. He's a very good manager, and you know, Russell Martin is a man who still I think finds his feet at that level. And I suppose now you you probably want to talk about about him a little bit. I suppose so. I'll, I'll let you do that. Well, yeah, my only, I found it quite interesting actually watching how. He tries to implement his style when the fact of the matter is he's not gained any promotions as a manager. He's got Sapron and K Dons, the same with Swansea as well. And the way that he tries to play, it's, if I was watching that team and I was a fan of Southampton, it would be so frustrating and so, you know, it'd do my heart no no, no favours at all. Because initially when, when they uh, are under pressure, it always seemed to me like there was never any intent to just hoof it clear, you know, just clear your lines. You know, the old saying that, you know, you're better off safe than sorry in some aspects. There was one instinct in particular, well, instinct, one example in particular with, um, I think it may have been Gineppo, where we had a ball into the box. It went to the uh, edge of the box. They had possession of it and they had a player running, you know, past the halfway line and he was on side and they could have just clipped it forward to him. He might not have got it because obviously we were defending really well at the time, but instead he tried to just take on three players at the same time, try and beat them all and then get the ball away. They seemed so intent on just playing the ball out any which way they could rather than just taking the, the simple route of just hoofing it clear and making sure they got out of danger. And, you know, I'm not moaning because obviously it benefited us massively, but from that example in particular, they ended up they ended up running into three of our players and then it came back to one of their players and they just kicked it out for a throw-in because they were trying to, not intentionally to try and kick it out to relieve the pressure, they were trying to find another pass within their own little quarter there. They got it wrong and gave us the ball back and it kept happening so often in that second half where... We'd lose the ball, you know, we'd put a cross in, it wouldn't go to one of our players, we'd lose it, but we'd be so quick to hustle and hurry them that they couldn't just play their way out, which they were so intent in doing. And I think where everyone has them as favourites to win the championship, perhaps because, you know, man for man, they've probably got the best team in that division, bar maybe Leicester. 
I think the way that he's intent and his team's playing is really going to be damaging for them because against more effective, high-pressure teams in the Championship, people like Millwall come to mind, for example, you're going to really struggle to, you know, maintain that way of playing because, you know, teams just won't allow it. When you're under high pressure and people are running at you in the face trying to get the ball off you, it's not going to be easy to just play it around in circles to play right out of um, danger. It's really not going to work every time and it's a massive risk, especially when, you know, we played very well tonight, but we were League Two side and we were eating it up easily in the second half. We knew that we were going to do and we didn't give them that outlet and they still seemed so intent in doing it and it was just quite mind-boggling for me that they were so insistent on doing it that way and, you know, for me, it's quite interesting that they still go around and try and do that way of playing considering that Russell Martin's tried it twice, you know, MK Dons and then at Swansea and he's not had any promotions or success with that. Swansea, I believe, finished mid-table when he left and, you know, MK Dons obviously didn't achieve promotion either. And like you said earlier, there was that game where we played them and he was manager of MK Dons. They may have scored after having a move with, you know, 1,027 passes, for example. But evidently they lost the game because, you know, we just went and scored another way. It's not about trying to play this fluid, fancy attacking way of playing from the back. And it just sort of really boggled my mind, to be honest. I don't know what your take is on that. but Yeah, no, I agree. It always sticks out. Um, that MK Dons game, when, when they put that goal in, in, you know, how often are you going to score goals like that? Um, especially at this level, you know, we were, or they were, lower league one at the time. And I remember we sat off them. It's one way to deal with it. But then I remember Evan saying after the match, you know, we pressed them. And, you know, lower league one players trying to play like that just doesn't work. And I remember as well, because it's, it's the only game I've ever been to with my mum, actually. It was her birthday. And we played them at Priestfield and we won 3-1, I think, uh, with fans there. And I, I knew we were going to win because I just knew that we were better than them in the way Steve Evans wanted to play football compared to the way MK Dons wanted to play football that day. And I don't know too much about his time at Swansea, but... He's got better players at Southampton, um, not world-class players. You know, it takes very good players to play that way, but it doesn't necessarily take very good players to learn how to press and learn how to counter, etc. And you know, you know, we were a very good team, but we're a League Two team, and as you said, we worked that out. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes in the Championship. I saw a tweet at the weekend saying, "Welcome to Russell Martin football," when they said that they had what, 80% possession or whatever, and they only put the ball in the net once. I know they scored late on to win 2-1, but they didn't do, didn't do too much. So, And if they get a to the Premier League again, then that's, he's got no chance of playing like that, I don't think. But, yeah, I suppose we don't want to focus on Southampton too much. We won't see them again this season. Best of luck to them. Um, yeah, we, we were better tonight. We were better. Neil Harris was better. Gillingham were better. And that's a great sign when when you're playing a team that's just been relegated from the Premier League and has championship promotion ambition. Yeah, to be honest, most of that was just an agenda. I just don't really like him. I think he dresses like a Hogwarts professor, personally. But regardless of that, um, yeah, he's going around crying tonight. What a shame. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the clincher moment of the game, if you like. A corner swung in from Max Clark. Headed out only as far as Robin McKenzie, who smashed in his third goal in two games. And Robbie was you know, exceptional tonight, playing in the CDM role, which I think is probably his better position. He's a very capable right-back, of course, but I think he's very much suited to that uh, that position. I think he was brilliant. He was everywhere tonight. And, you know, he was robbed of a goal late in the first half. He got a double in the second half. And this one was a sweet, sweet strike from Robbie just outside the box. It sort of zinged as it was past um, Alex McCarthy in the goal. I think it bounced just before when, you know, he had no chance of it. And that was... 
the moment really where it was a bit like delirium, wasn't it, Lewis? Because I think everyone, obviously, as we said earlier, we knew this was a free hit and we knew that, you know, whatever happened, it wasn't a priority. But we always want to think there's a chance that we can put a team like this out of the competition and make a bit of a statement. And I think when that moment went in and thought, before the game, we all, had a, we all thought we had a little bit of a chance, but I don't think anyone was always being freed up after, you know, 65 minutes or whatever. And when that goal went in, the instant reaction was jubilation, but also that, you know, we deserved to be in the position we found ourselves in at that point. Yeah, we deserved it. There was Olays, there was chance that we won four. Um, it could have been 4-0 and Tom Nichols had that volley in the block and very unlucky not to score. Um, yeah, how often do you see the ball come out to the edge of the box, especially when there's a thousand bodies in the box and everyone shouts shoot that they actually score. But fantastic goal. Um, yeah, really impressive rugby tonight. I know he's the last couple of years he's had to he's had to play left back, right back, centre back at the weekend. I don't think he minds. Um, he said before, you know, I'll play wherever I, wherever I play. He signed two new contracts at the club, so he obviously enjoys being at the club. I remember under Steve Evans when he was playing um, centre midfield with Kyle Dempsey and Dempsey spoke so highly of him and I really enjoyed watching them play together and I've always thought that centre midfield is his best position not sure how much of a run he'll get in the team um, maybe he'll get a game there at the weekend um, you know I think if he does start does he does he replace Trey at right back maybe he comes in for Ethan Coleman and plays with Williams in midfield Um I think I said in pre-season, we've got so many midfielders that he might not necessarily get a chance in midfield. It's similar with Will Wright, who I thought might have been suited to a midfield, midfield role. But where we've had Sean Williams, Coleman's done so well. Dominic Jeffries can play there. Um, and we, we've, just, we've just got options. Um, who else am I leaving out? George Lapsley can play there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's really good to see Robbie... Um, Probably do well in that position today. Maybe you'll get a chance there at the weekend. Good to see him enjoying this football. And yeah, you know, three goals in two games, three goals for the season already. Can't go wrong, really. I think I think he's a good player. I think he's a very useful player to have around. And um, not always been his, his biggest fan, but really happy for him. And I think he's been, you know, fantastic the last two games that, that he's been involved in. Yeah, just on Robbie, this uh, tweet comes uh, from between the lines and it's some uh, stats from Robbie's performance tonight. Two goals from two shots, 84% passing accuracy, three out of four accurate long balls, two passes into the final third, two tackles won, which is 100% of his tackles attempted, five duels won and an 8.9 match rating, man of the match, midfield general. And yeah, I don't think anyone could really argue that Robbie was the standout today. I think... In terms of, like you said, Lewis, should he get a run out on Saturday? I think at this point when, you know, you've played two games of the season, he's come on and got the winner at Stockport. He's played brilliantly tonight and got a double, including one fantastic strike. I think it would be very, very difficult for Neil Harris at this point to leave out Robbie on Saturday. I think it's going to be a really interesting team sheet on Saturday, actually, funnily enough, because you have the, well, we don't know for sure yet, but you have the likelihood of Macaulay Bomb being involved in the squad and then you have, Obviously, the two teams that played at Stockport and uh, um, and played tonight, very similar, of course. And Harris said after the game that his team in uh, Stockport was excellent and his team tonight were brilliant as well. So there's obviously good headache selections to have. Ashton Addison's another one. He may have played his way into the contention for the starting eleven. But Robbie, I think I think I probably would put him in on Saturday. Don't ask me for who, because I'm not sure yet. But I think when you play two games, you score... 
uh, three goals, the winner on opening day, and of course two tonight. I think you'd be very hard done by not to be involved in the starting eleven come Saturday. Yeah, I was thinking this at, um, after his performance at the weekend that he's probably unlucky to miss out. To be fair, I think it was probably a flip of a coin between him and Che to play at right back. I do prefer Che at right back, um, and then yeah, Mackenzie can obviously cover a few positions coming off the bench. Played centre back at the weekend. Um, obviously, we said centre midfield tonight. Um, I think probably I think Harris might go four four two. He spoke a lot about playing two up front and when we're expected to be on the front foot I think that's good uh, I think Nichols and Madison played really well together at the weekend when uh, when the latter came on and I think he'll go for that maybe that would mean George Lapsley sits out who potentially been a bit quiet the last couple of games I think he might go for a four four two and play Johnny Williams and, and Jeffries out wide with Madison and Nichols up front and then Sean Williams will play then maybe Robbie plays in midfield with him Ethan Coleman, harsh to miss out, but you know it's not necessarily a slight on him. It's maybe just getting Robbie in the team when he's doing well and you need a squad. Um, it's a long season, so yeah, I think he'll probably start. I would go for that four four two with him in midfield. Um, I think it's a very good position for him, and I think it would suit the team really well with him and Williams. They can both go forward, they can both go backwards. So, because a good good question to have. We're rather than scraping eleven together like we were this time last year, we're trying to trying to, you know, find reasons to leave players out, I suppose, or we're trying to scratch our heads at who to leave out. And as harsh as it is on the players that will miss out, it's never a bad position to be in, I don't think. Yeah, I'm just going to correct a poll as we as we go on with this chat about whether Robbie McKenzie should start or remain on the bench for this coming weekend's game against Accrington Stanley, uh, see what everyone's thinking about that. Um yeah, we haven't wrapped up the game yet. So uh, after that, Southampton scored and then the referee blew the whistle. So um, yeah, let's get on to player specifics. Um, we've obviously just talked about Robbie. The rest of the next player I want to bring you, Joe. I'll let you. I'll let you pick one because I think we might say the same one. But I'll let you. I'll let you pick your. Should we say second man of the match? Because I think we're both agreed on McKenzie. We usually go for three players in terms of pickups and who we want to talk about in depth for their good performances, which is refreshing because this time last year we'd, we'd really struggled to find one, but. After after Robbie, who would you go for for your standout and why? Um, I think I'd go for Alex McCarthy. No, um, I think I'd go for Jaden Clark. Um, I think that's the best I've seen him play by far. Obviously, given man of the match in the ground, you know, maybe raise a few eyebrows just because of how good Robbie was. But I think Jaden Clark was absolutely fantastic. I mentioned earlier on the show when he and Ethan Coleman signed in January, we thought, oh, maybe it's for the B team that, that we're creating players for the future and they weren't in the squad the first few games when they signed but they forced their way in and they both look absolutely fantastic and they both look like vital members of the squad let's talk about maybe maybe Jaden Garner alone but I don't think he needs that I think he's going to be a really important player player for us play attack in the field he can play out wide so comfortable on the ball and I think Neil Harris deserves a lot of credit for not only helping develop him but to, to help our players have confidence on the ball. Um, you know, sometimes you have to go direct, slash as long. Sometimes you can't always play out. But I noticed on Saturday, we, we had a few really nice punches and Clark was almost at the centre of that today. Um, really good playmaking from him. Another player who can fill in out wide or central. Um, really good coup. And I think Andy Hesentyler deserves a lot. I believe it was him who sort of led 
the recruitment of uh, Jaden Clark. I'm really happy for him because I think tonight might have been his breakthrough moment where you know not not many people would question it now if he's in the starting lineup in a league game. Um, and he's going to be a really important player for us. And I, I was chuffed for him really. Yeah, Jaden was brilliant today. I think there's a lot of question marks before the season started about whether he would go out on loan, as you said, Lewis. But I think, and I also think you made a great point with Andy Hessenthal deserving credit because we spoke about the signings of him and uh, even Coleman in particular, a bit of the unknowns in January, and they both turned out to be really, really good assets and good players to bring into the team. I thought Jaden was brilliant when he came on at Stockport. He knew how to manage the game well, got himself booked, but he had to do it in that aspect of the game to slow it down. But I think he's someone with a, a really good knowledge of the game at a higher level, despite hardly even playing many games up until this point. But I thought he was brilliant for us today. He was always nailed it on the right-hand side. He got Roman Perot in the book in the first half. He ran him absolutely ragged. And I think we saw the difference when he came off. I think we did lose the outlet of, of Jaden a little bit uh, when he left the pitch. We didn't really have a like, flight replacement in that aspect. But I think we, we obviously had already won the game by more or less by that point. And it didn't matter too much, but yeah, he was he was fantastic, Jaden. I think he's another one who's knocking at the door for a start at some point, and I think he'd be he'd be deserving of it as well. I think he's been brilliant since he's come in, along with Ethan, two of our probably unsung signings from the January window who have proved to have a massive impact. And I think Jaden and, and Ethan will both be brilliant, um, brilliant this season and where we want to be. And uh, I think finally, um, by the way, everyone, the, the poll is now up uh, in reply to this podcast in terms of whether. You would uh, put Robin McKenzie into the starting eleven this weekend or whether you would leave him on the bench for the visit of Accrington Stanley. Um, yeah, the final player we should talk about, Lewis, um, I think we should give a good mention to Ashley Nadison. Obviously came in for his debut today in, in the starting berth, of course. Got his goal after 15 or so minutes. You can see the pace was causing uh, massive problems to um, Lianco and Perot. I think he was very, very good, very strong, very quick. Um, you know, definitely gave us another asset going forward and we were trying to counter-attack and as I said, he got his first goal, which is good for him to get off the mark very early on. And, you know, we had this conversation about, you know, do we need a 20-goal strike and things like that? I think, actually, much like Tom, might not score you the 20 goals you want in one strike of the season, but I think it's shown that he's going to be a good asset to have. He's going to create opportunities for others, score goals himself. And I actually, I actually think he's probably the slightly taller, slightly faster version of Tom. I think on the ball and the runs they wait, the runs they make, how intelligent they are on and off the ball. I think him and Tom are actually quite similar. And I think you can tell that from obviously the link up they had at um, Corley before. And I think much like Tom, I think Ashley is going to be another brilliant asset for us. And I thought he was really impressive again today. Yeah, I think he probably is, is taller and quicker than Tom. Um, you know, completely different players really in where they want to play football. I think, Nichols quite likes ball to feet, coming deep. Um, you know, we saw him play just off Bode for the last few minutes today. Um, and Anderson wants to run in behind whenever he can. Um, yeah, really impressive him. He works really hard. Someone who is probably unlucky to miss out on a start of the weekend. If we'd have played two up front, he would have started. And, you know, we, we praised Harris for the introduction of the changes at the weekend, putting Robbie at the back and bringing Nadison on. I think it helped so much with Stockport having to sit off a little bit with Madison running in behind. It helped Nichols, who was getting a battering all game and not getting much joy from the defenders. It helped him with potentially dropping off, I think, Madison as well. Um, I don't know how tall he is, but he's, he's tall enough to win a fair amount in the air. 
I think he's he's someone that always work hard. He, he's quick, and yeah, he's, he might not score twenty goals, but he he gets in the right positions. We saw that today. He's got a strong desire, and it's a good opportunity for him. You know, he's come out of a club who is absolutely dying in Crawley. Um, what is he? Twenty eight, so he's not he's not exactly young, and he's got a chance to be part of an exciting project now. A team that's on the up, a team who's searching for promotion, and. And yeah, full credit to him, full credit to, to Kenny for recruitment. I think he's he's going to be a real asset to us this season. People, Some people raised eyebrows, you know, oh, he's not been prolific in his career, that sort of thing. You don't always need that. He's, he's, bring, he's bring, some, bring some traits that we didn't necessarily have before, which is pace. Um, you know, well, pace is the main one. He's obviously got the desire, which which everyone else has, but it's, it's, it's a good fit for our team and you know, hopefully tonight's a sign of things to come. Hopefully he gets a start on Saturday and yeah, he, he worked really well with Nichols at the weekend and yeah, big big credit to him today, playing on his own up front and maybe he'll get a mate of the weekend and he can have some more joy. Of course, a very strong home debut for Ashley Nadison. Um everyone if you wanna I'm gonna ask Lewis this in just a second, but you can get in the comments and leave uh who you would like us to draw. In the second round of the Carabao Cup, and we'll see what answers uh, we get from everyone listening tonight. Um, the two big teams coming into it, I believe, are Chelsea and Tottenham, because neither of them made uh, Europe. So I think everyone in the Europa League, Conference League, and of course Champions League, I don't think they enter until the third round. Lewis, I think is I think you'd know that maybe. I'm pretty sure it's teams in Europe that enter to the third round. Yeah. Right. So that would mean I think it would just be in terms of big clubs. I think it'd be Chelsea and. and well, I say big clubs, Tottenham, if you like, I suppose. But other than that, there'll be some uh, Premier League oppositions in there, which could be uh, nice for a good away day. Uh, can't think of any off the top of my head really that are that appealing off the off on the uh, the off chance. Other than you know Chelsea and Tottenham, we've drew Tottenham before, of course, in the uh, Carabao Cup or the Carling Cup, whatever it was called. Back when we uh, went to the old White Hart Lane Stadium and we lost five 0 I think it was unfortunately. But of course, we saw. What happened last year when we went to a Premier League opposition? We obviously beat Brentford on penalties before bowing out to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, I'll be happy going to Brentford again, to be honest. Nice memories. Don't not as keen to go to um to go to um Modern U again. But everyone, if you want to leave your in your comments and let us know who you would like Jules to draw in the next round of the Cowboy Cup, and also leave some comments um about what you thought of the game today, and we'll run through some of them before we head off tonight. But uh, Lewis, final question on the game today it's just on the manager Neil Harris and how we approached it and I think you're starting to see with better players now in the squad that he wants that what we saw at the beginning of last season I think wasn't the way that he wanted his teams to play he obviously came out a few times said he had to play five at the back because he didn't trust the team to be able to play four at the back because there was too many leaks in there and he couldn't trust them to you know be solid and, and be reliable if you like and I think due to the players we had last season, he was forced to play in one set way, which was back off a lot of teams and hope we get one chance because obviously we couldn't score for Toffee. And, you know, once we conceded one, it's more or less game over because of that frailty out the other end. So I think we're starting to see with the players that he wants in the team, the players he's brought in, the sort of style he wants to implement. And we're starting to see the full aspects of it and how it can work really well in comparison to what we perhaps both ourselves were forced to watch and what Neil to an extent was forced to have to deal with in terms of selections last year just because he didn't have the quality then that he obviously does now. Yeah, just thinking about it now, this might even be the first time that he's got the chance to do that. Um, 
when he took over in January, um, when we were a couple of years ago, when we were on the brink of relegation, um, and he nearly kept us up. Um, <clears throat> he went to a back five. The first thing he did was change the goalkeeper and change the formation to a back five. As you say, he didn't trust the defence. Um, we had to defend because we were getting battered every week, pretty much. Um, and he nearly kept us up last year. You know, maybe he started that way with with hope, high hopes. Um, we look back now and we look at that front three of Green, Mandra, and Kashkit, and it's almost laughable, really. Um, I say all due respect to them, but I don't really mean it. Um, but yeah, second half of last season when the players came in and it was a results orientated thing to try and save the club from relegation again. Uh, what would have been an ultimately disastrous relegation to non-league. Um, you know, he was potentially playing in a way where he just wanted to get results. Um, obviously, that's always the aim, but you like to have a philosophy as well. And I think this year we have, you know, I think it's sometimes a lazy analysis to say, oh, we're keeping the ball better, but we are keeping the ball better. Neil Harris has never been a possession-based manager. I think he's a problem solver. I think he's a forward thinker in terms of how can I get the best out of not necessarily the players he's got, but how can I most effectively attack each individual game? He's got a plan for each individual game. Um, he's not ignorant enough to think he can outplay any team with his style. Um, you know, sometimes you've got to go direct. We we seen OG with the diagonals. Um, a few balls down the line to Madison tonight, using his pace in behind one-on-one. Um, but also we've seen a few nice touches, a bit of possession play. Second half tonight, first half Saturday. Um See, I think he deserves a lot of praise. You know, he's had, you know, he's at least a League One manager. He's had success at championship level. He's very experienced for someone who is ultimately a young manager. And he's so enthusiastic about his work. You can see that with the way he talks, Um, whether it's been in the media, whether it's been in conversation with fans, whether it's been at the forums. He's so passionate about his his role. And you can see him with his uh, fist bumps after games as well. But he loves the club. He loves doing his job and I think you know he's the man that is going to take us up the divisions hopefully um, don't know what his contract situation is actually he might be up at the end of the year I don't know but I think you know he's someone that will be interested in extending that um, yeah I think he's a really good tactical tactical mind and you know we're not going to blow teams away with the ball we're a league two team but we get results um, he's very good with playing the way he wants to play against each team and trusting his players to do that and He's got his spot on these first these first two games. Saturday's going to be a different challenge. Accrington's such a physical side. Um, I think one of their strikers is six for five or something. So that's a challenge for OG. Um, I was saying maybe put Ollie Hawkins at centre back, but I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, we'll we'll see how he adapts to that one. He'll have a plan again when he go one up front, when he go two up front. Quite exciting, really. And got full faith in him, and I'm really happy for him with the success he's had in the last few months. Yeah, certainly so, and a uh, lot to look forward to with Neil Harris. So before we get out of here today, let's go through some of the uh, some of the comments that we've had throughout the show today. Uh, firstly, let's talk about uh, the poll that we put up. Does Robin McKenzie come into starting eleven this weekend? A whopping ninety one percent saying yes, deservedly so. So if the uh, MB Seven podcast audience are deciding to team Robin McKenzie, is certainly going to be in it this coming weekend. Um, Stuart Lewis says. You need to go back 20 plus years to remember a stunning victory like that over a team two divisions higher. Who remembers Jules Dumpshove Wednesday out of the FA Cup? I do remember that as being, I, was, I, I can't remember the exact year that was, but I was obviously very, very young and I wasn't there, but I can remember that being the uh, 
infamous John Watson commentary over that um, Nicky Southall volley in that game, I believe. Um, James says, fantastic night, still buzzing with the game performance and tactics are spot on. Um, Luke says, yes, we can hear you in Jules are effing massive, uh, which is brilliant. Um, I'm a loop performance from everyone and result, fingers crossed for Spurs or Palace away. Just disappointed I couldn't get a Jill shirt for next week, says Dan. Bobby says, need to get Dom Jeffries tied down to a new deal ASAP. Absolutely. I think that is going to be a priority soon. He was another great performance from him. Um, Matty says, only thing that stood out for me tonight was can we chuck in a Shan Gallinson rendition chant or simply change it to the Gallinsons, especially when the family are in tow. Uh, Brad is listening. I'm sure he'd very much back up your claims there, Matty, to give uh, Shannon some of the spotlight as well. Deservedly so, of course. Um, Mark says, Max Clark tonight was unreal. Yeah, very solid home performance for him today. Um, Gallinson is listening. Yeah, um, even Common was a man possessed tonight, says Kingy. Gillingham Till I Die says, all good personally, but I don't think we need Bond. Just put McKenzie up front at this moment in time with his record. It's not looking like a bad idea, is it? Um, Tony says, when Robbie Combe come on at Stockport, you could see he was buzzing. He looked a yard faster. He carried on in that vein this evening. He is in that zone. Has to start Saturday, probably at two. I'm assuming that means at right back in place of Shea. So we'll see on that one. Um, uh, last couple of ones. Uh, Josh says he would like Leeds away or Spurs at home would be a good next fixture, but we'll end up with Exeter or someone like that. Most likely, but then saying that we did get the best possible draw in terms of you know the biggest team this uh, time round. Obviously, Sky would rather show everyone uh, Wrexham drawing nil nil to Wigan, which is more for them. But what can you do, uh, Lewis? Just finally, uh, before we head off, who would be your pick for the draw in the second round? Who would you like to visit, or who would you like to come to Bruceville? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's still regionalised for the second round, actually. So that would rule out a few teams. Um, I said tonight's game would have been a nice away game, but Preseal was absolutely rocking, so I'll take that back now. Um, I think Crystal Palace is a good shout. I was going to say Chelsea or Tottenham, just because it's nice to play such a big team and you know take Gillingham to Stamford Bridge or, or the new White Hart Lane or see players come down. Um, you know, seeing people like Enzo Fernandez, a World Cup winner playing at Preseal, be pretty cool. You want the bigger team, as big a team as possible, I think, um, in our situation. Um, you know, give it a go. Brentford last year, fantastic. Wolves, I think we were potentially robbed of penalties and a pretty soft penalty given for their goal. Leicester, you know, we, we played them, uh, you know, well. Um, unlucky not to get something there. And tonight, obviously, as well, against a team full of ex-Premier League players just last year. So, you're on a big team. I think Crystal Palace away would be great. Definitely want a Premier League away away game, but a, a big game at home as well would be nice going off tonight's um, atmosphere. I think I'll go Crystal Palace just because it's one of the, the Premier League grounds I haven't done. Um, and it's, it's, well, it seems pretty good there on TV and stuff. So Crystal Palace away from me, I think. Yeah, Crystal Palace, of course, prone to a cup disaster as well. I think it was only a couple of seasons ago they lost at home to Colchester in the same competition, I think, at Selhurst Park. Um, I think from an older generation, there'd be quite a few who would be interested in a visit to Fulham, um, an old rivalry that goes back uh, quite a few years. Um, Lewis, this isn't me being arrogant when I say this, but if we got Tottenham at home, just given how Tottenham are and the Spursy nature of them, I, I generally think we could win that game. Yeah, that would be very very Tottenham um, they've had a few disasters in this club haven't they in recent years I think any team I think would give them a go 
you know, maybe not Man City, someone like that, but people like Tottenham who are prone to disaster that would rotate. And the way they want to play football as well is quite quite a lot of risks at the minute um, under Andrew Foster Cogley. So I fancy our chances, mate. Yeah, bring it on. Bring on anyone, really, after tonight. But you don't really want a championship team just because you're not favourites and it's not really a big game. Tonight was great because Southampton are basically a Premier League team going off last year and the players they've still got. I think either a team you can beat, so like a League Two team or a massive team is, is what you want, I think. Yeah, I was going to mention that because as, as much as it is quite boring, like, you know, no one really wants to play someone in your own league in, the, in a cup game. But if we were to get someone in our own league who's, you know, with our side of the draw, if it is still done that way, who are beatable, I suppose it's a... You can look at it as well. We've beaten Southampton, which is a big game. Now we've got a good opportunity to beat someone who we know we can beat and then get a better opposition. So that could be an option, although it wouldn't be the most exciting. But we do tend to draw either Cheltenham or Exeter in these sort of competitions. Um, I'm not sure if Cheltenham went through tonight. I think they might have lost to Birmingham, but I know Exeter uh, beats Crawley, I believe. So that's still an option in the uh, in the can. So we'll see about that. But I believe the draw is tomorrow night after. Um, Whatever the live game is tomorrow, I think it might be Burton Albion v Leicester on Sky. Um, but yeah, a fantastic night uh, with the Jills at Priestfield. 3-1 victory over former Premier League side Southampton. And yeah, the perfect start to the season continues. Um, a win at Edgley Park to open the League uh, League 2 campaign. They said League 1 there, getting ahead of myself. Um, and a very impressive victory in the Cup tonight. Let's hope we can carry it on um, going into the game against Aquinton Stanley on Saturday afternoon, the first home game at Priestfield Stadium in the league campaign. So we'll be doing a preview piece for that on um, Friday evening. We'll do a little show for you there. It won't be too extravagant or too long because, it's, you know, in terms of talking about what's gone on through the week, we've gone deep into today's discussion about today's game. We've obviously reviewed the game was, uh, game on Stockport, which you can still listen back to on our channel, which will be available on Spotify, which is where all our episodes are now available. You can also listen back on Twitter Spaces or you can now see it on uh, Spotify, Apple Music and all that normal services. So please do check that out and you can listen back to all our shows. This one will be going up on Spotify very, very soon. So if you're late to join this one, you can go back and listen to it then. But um, yeah, we'll be back on Friday for a, a preview of Atkinson Stanley as we look to make it six points from six from uh, the opening two games in the League 2 campaign. But uh, until then, up the jewels. Good night.